are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Oh, praise the Lord. Good to see all those kids getting involved in that, right? Amen. Well, we usually have a a stewardship month every year, and this is the month. And uh, so I have a two-part message on stewardship, and you're going to get the second part today. I've entitled it Free Will Giving, Stewardship Part 2. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that God in his kind what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gifts for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Amen. Keep note of that. Their first action was to give of themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this. But I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he would make you rich. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you have made it possible for your children to be partakers in the gospel. And Lord, and one of the ways is by giving. And we pray, Father, that you will bless our hearts today. Holy Spirit, speak your word to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. What does the New Testament say about giving? And how can I, as a believer, 
determine what to give, how much to give. Of all the passages that speak about giving in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 set the foundation for practical application of giving, uh, giving for us today. God calls us to excel in the grace of giving. Paul calls it the grace of giving. It's an attitude that God wants us to have every day of the week. And so that brings us to stewardship. As Christians, we need to embrace the divine the truth of divine ownership. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those that dwell therein. Everything belongs to God. Amen? Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And then we are God's property. We talked about all of this last week, but it's good to, to just re- refresh our memory here. Romans chapter 14 verse 8, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. And so whether we live or die, We are the Lord's. We belong to him. We also need to understand the principle of dominion. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said concerning mankind, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth up on the earth. And so God has given us dominion. He's given us stewardship over all of his creation. The word dominion comes from the Hebrew word rada, which means to rule over that which is owned by God. We are all stewards of God's resources. And that brings us to tithing. The tithe tithe principle is this. He gives to us, we give back to him one-tenth of all that he has blessed us with. Now, tithing is not Old Testament law. Contrary to popular belief, it is not Old Testament law. Tithing was included in Old Testament law. The first mention of tithing, we find Abraham tithed centuries before Moses' law in Melchizedek. He tithed to Melchizedek. And then the second mention is Jacob. Jacob tithed before the law. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 22, we read, uh, he, he makes a vow to God, so we know that if he's making a vow to God, 
concerning a tithe, then it must have been something that was, was being practiced uh, in his day as well. And he said, of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And then there's a thir- third mention in the Old Testament. And it's, it, the law is, it was conti- a continuation of the principle already practiced by Abraham and by, by Jacob and, of course, their families. And uh, this was 400 years after Abraham. In Numbers chapter 18, verse 21, we find that the law includes the tithe. Now, we tithe according to the principle established by God through Abraham. And uh, it was instituted by God through, through Moses and enforced by the law. Uh, and then it was, pract- it was uh, also um, reinforced by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says, uh, Woe unto you, teachers of the law, and then Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a, give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. This Jesus uh, made this statement some 1,500 years after Moses received the law. And so it was still being practiced up until that time. Now, we're not under the law of Moses today. We're under grace. Amen? We don't have to tithe. But we tithe because the principle is scriptural. Grace encompasses the principles set out in the law of Moses. In fact, Jesus raised the bar on a number of Old Testament laws. We cannot do away with the Old Testament. We can't say, well, that's Old Testament, so we'll just close the book on that and we'll just live by the New Testament. Well, the fact is that the Old Testament is something that uh, has established laws and principles that are timeless. And so, uh, Jesus, in uh, referring to this, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and uh, uh, 28, he said, You have heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now, Jesus is expanding on one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus says, I'll go even further than that. Even if you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Wow. 
Then in Matthew chapter 5, 38, 39, he said, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. That's not easy to do, is it? Then Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, 44. You have heard it said, that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemy. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul teaches on the financial support of the Lord's work and uses commands from Moses' law as guidelines. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, he appeals to the law. And he asks the question, doesn't the law say the same thing? Now, this is New Testament teaching. And he says, doesn't the law say the same thing? Then in verses 13 and 14, he reinforces this by saying, verse 13, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Tithing is a, a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or um, opportunity to demonstrate uh, God's faithfulness to you and your faithfulness to him and your commitment to his work on this earth. In some cases, uh, in certain ways that businesses are set up and business is done, uh, people uh, choose to tithe in a lump sum yearly. But whatever, whatever way a person chooses to do it, uh, it is very important that we follow that practice. Now, uh, this brings us to proportionate giving or percentage giving. The principle of percentage giving is, is taught in the New Testament. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, on the first day of the week, that's on Sunday, uh, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income or in proportion to his income, saving it up so that I, when I come, uh, no collection will have to be made. God uh, takes notice of the attitude of generosity. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine verse seven says, "Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver." Think of it as an investment in your future and in the future of your family. Instill the principle 
of tithing in your children and in your children's children so that when they come to a time of responsibility, age of responsibility, that they will not suffer because they are not putting into practice some principles in God's word. I'm convinced that many people do not tithe simply because they have not had the proper teaching about tithing. Some people, I'm sure even in our circles in years past, we have been very legalistic concerning the tithe. We probably, I hope, I I don't think I did, but I may have, made people feel guilty if they didn't tithe and somehow that they had sinned. But that's not the case at all. When tithing is approached from a New Testament perspective of grace, is not seen as a requirement, but as a privilege, an opportunity. It's an issue, it's not an issue of law or grace, it's an issue of faithfulness. Faithfulness uh, reaps blessing. And it's required, the Bible says, of a steward that they be faithful. And the reason I want people to know and understand the practice of tithing is because it is so important to the kingdom of God, to the sharing of the gospel. It costs, it costs money for everything you do in life. Just to have a home and a family costs you, you've got to work every day of your life keep food on the table and clothes on your back. There's no difference with a business and there's no difference with a church. It costs money to run a church. And in this day and age in which we live, it's becoming more and more. Our giving is to be done as the Lord has prospered us in accordance with the working of the Spirit Never according to law. We're not under law anymore. You can choose that you're never going to tithe. But you're going to be the loser for that. You're going to miss out on some tremendous blessing. Spiritually, physically, financially. So God... Everything that God puts in his word is not so that we can enjoy less, but that we can enjoy more of what is provided for his people. In the view of this, giving is a matter of grace, a work of God in the believer's heart. Actually, this means giving more, not less. If the believer is walking closely with the Lord and is living as one who has given himself to the Lord first, 
as they did in the scripture we read this morning. Giving is not a problem. It's a privilege, it's an opportunity to partner with God. Under the law, there was no option. The Jewish people under the law of Moses had to give. In fact, God told them in Malachi that they were robbing him because they weren't tithing. That was under the law. But God says, today, you give as you purpose in your heart. You give out of heart of love and a heart of compassion. Under grace, we are to give of our own free will. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. There's a blessing in percentage, percentage giving. The principle of sowing and reaping applies here. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 8. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of you, as he purposed in his heart, so grudging, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. What I read here is if I'm moaning and whining because I got to give to the Lord's work, I might as well not give at all. Doesn't make it right, but I might as well not give. God looks at my heart. I know of churches that when the offering was announced, they would all rejoice and dance and shout and wave their offering envelopes and all of that. Well, it's an expression that, hey, listen, I've been set free from that bondage of not being able to share what God has given me. When we realize how greatly we have been blessed by God, our response should be to give back to him in any and every way that we can. So I'm getting close to the end, guys. Conclusion. What does that mean? Someone said nothing. Why tithe? Why tithe? I tithe because the Bible teaches it. The Old Testament sets the pattern of 10%. It's a great place to begin. It's a good foundation for sound personal finances. Man. With the money that I've made since I've left the oil business, I should be poor. But God has blessed me so abundantly. You wonder how Hayward and Effie can take those trips and go on those cruises? 
The only thing I can tell you, I tithe. And when we're ready to go, it's there. God has never, ever saw me wanting. I've never had to beg. And I remember, I told you some time ago about when I was concerned before I came to this church. I was concerned about I would soon be at retirement age and because I was working in small churches all my life uh, since I left the oil business and and, uh, so I couldn't even afford to pay into a pension plan. And they prayed over me in a prayer meeting, a group of ministers together, and one guy says, I see a rich uncle in your life. Now, I didn't have any rich uncles. Only had one uncle, a living uncle, and uh, he, he was, you know, he, he had a bit of money, I suppose, but he had a family too. And so there was no chance of me getting anything from my Uncle George. But I, when he said that, there was a witness in my spirit. I knew immediately, you know, the prophetic was in symbols and that, so I knew that it wasn't the actual uncle. But I knew that God was saying, you don't have to worry about that. And uh, God has blessed me. He sent me to Coal Lake. And when I came to Coal Lake, I thought, well, I've only got about five more years of ministry. And I'll be 65. And then I'll be retiring. I don't know what's going to happen. But God has taken care of me Well, all I can say, it's almost like the dream I had to retire at 55 when I was in the oil business. I was going to retire at 55 and move to Okanagan. And I had some sort of a crazy dream that that was going to be just so good. But at 71, just about it now, in Coal Lake, it's better for me than it could ever be in the Okanagan. You see, God takes care of his own. Now, if God were to speak to me this week and say, okay, Hayward, you finished what I called you to do in Coal Lake. Now I need you to go, hey, River, on the Indian Reserve and preach the gospel there. I'd say yes in a flash. And God would take care of me there in that little church just as he's taken care of me here in this big church. Because I tithe. And the principle of tithing always holds true. It never, ever fails. The Old Testament In the Old Testament, the law of Moses required the tithe. The Jews were under compulsion to pay it. And in in reading Numbers chapter 18 and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, 
to support the Levites and the religious services and the poor, the commentators believed that there was at least two tithes and maybe even three tithes that were given. That the total of those tithes for over the year for the, for the Jewish people was over 20%. The New Testament teaching on giving focuses on voluntary character. This voluntary giving is exactly what Abraham and Jacob were doing before the institution of the law. See, we're not under the law. We're not doing the law. This is what Abraham and Jacob were doing. It was voluntary. We don't have no indication that God told them that they had to do this. And we don't have any scripture that tells us that we have to tithe today. But it is a good practice. And so, it's what all Christians should be doing. We with most Bible-believing churches suggest that 10% is a good start. Our example for giving is our Lord Jesus Christ. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. He gave everything he had everything he could to save you and I. How can we not give at least 10%? Stand with me, will you? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again this morning for your word. Lord, we want to thank you that your word says that your, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I want to thank you for the freedom that we have in serving you. I want to thank you, Lord, that your word says that your love has been shed abroad in our hearts. And because we love you and because we love your people, Lord, we want your best for them. And we want to reach as many people as we can in Cold Lake and around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we give out of hearts of love. Bless your people again today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any kind of a need, you want prayer, why don't you come and we'll pray in between services here. And the Lord bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church a place where families come together.